All right. Are y'all ready? I thought I was finished last week with Jesus service teams, but guess what? I wasn't finished. I tried to rush it too much last week. So we're going to do a quick review, and then I'm going to tell you about something else that I think is very, very, very important in regards to it. Are y'all ready? Okay. Let's do it. What's our verse? Does anybody remember what the verse is? Let's see how far we got. Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified. And if you don't know that, we've got to start all over tonight. So we got, let's see, six weeks to start from scratch and go over again. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? Okay. How many of you actually haven't been here for any of it? Just a few. So that's not too bad. That's not too bad. So uh, we'll review so that these people uh, have a clue about what's going on. And um, they won't be just so totally lost. So what we do on this verse is everybody reads it together because it's real important to you, not just to me, what this verse says. So we'll read it together from the Amplified. It says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which He pre... Yes, God predestinated and planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life. You should emphasize that. Wait. Living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. How many of you qualify for the good life? Everybody in here qualifies for the good life, even the ones that didn't raise their hand. You still qualify, okay, for the good life. So we talked about the first week, we talked about where Keith and I came from. We talked about how we met and how we got in the ministry. And uh, I'll tell you even a little secret story that I hadn't even told you yet. Keith and I met, you know, I think I told you when we were in junior high. And we ran off and got married two days out of high school because we just couldn't wait. And it didn't work, so we had to run off again. Yeah, and if you ever know, if you were there when it was Keith's, I guess, 40th, what was that thing we did? When was that? His 40th birthday or 50th birthday? 50th birthday. Yeah, I can't remember. We're still young. His 50th birthday, we had him a big party, and one of our friends uh, that happened to be there with us, he got up and told the whole story about how we ran off because he happened to be with us the first time that it didn't take, and we got lost, and the police stopped us. See, I tell you too much. And he said, what are you doing? And, he, and the guy says, they're running off to get married. He said, well, y'all better get yourselves home. <laughs> we didn't. But we got married anyway because we were determined we were getting married. You know what? I think even in our ignorance, even in our stupidity, I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about you. <laughs> All of us. God helps us get on the paths that we need to get on. I mean, we were just little twerpy kids, and he was still hooking us together and getting us on the paths that we needed to get on. We didn't know we needed to be together, but you know what? God knew it. And he loves us, and he's such a good God, and he cares about us doing the right things, and he prearranges a good life for us. And he makes it ready for us. And if we miss it, Then he says, oh, no, you missed it. You got off the path here. And he turns our car around and gets us on the path again and makes us go the right way again. We didn't get married the first time. The police got after us, so we had to go do it again. 
priest was saved, I wasn't even saved. So you know I wasn't being led. I was being led, but not by the Holy Ghost. Okay? So you understand what I'm saying? God is a merciful God, and He loves us, and He wants us doing what He wants us to do. And He's out there cheering us on that we're going to get it right. He's not swatting us down that we're going to get it... Oh, you messed up. You messed up. And knock you down every time. That's not who He is. Every time you mess up, what He wants to do is say, Oh, it's okay. They messed up. Let's pull them back up. You know the story about Peter and him going down in the water, you know, and the waves were coming and he's looking at the wrong thing and, and the waves were crashing on him and everybody tells it like, Oh, Peter messed up. He was falling in the water and Jesus fussed at him. How many of you have ever heard that? Because he messed up. He didn't look at the right thing and so Jesus fussed at him because he didn't look at... What did Jesus do before he fussed at him? He reached out his hand and said, Come on. I'm going to help you. Come on. Let's get back in the boat. Come on. I'm going to fix it for you. And that's always what Jesus does first. Is he always fixes it for us. So that's what this whole message has been about. Maybe everybody in here got off and started on the wrong path. Maybe you got going in the wrong direction. But God is going to help us, everyone, to get back on the right path, get going in the right direction and doing the things that he's leading us to do. And it don't matter how many years you've been on the wrong path. It don't matter how many decades you've been on the wrong path. God is merciful and he loves us. And he wants us doing the things that will give us the good life. He wants us doing the things that will give us the blessings that he has for us. He's not trying to keep them away from us. He's trying to get us get them in our lap any way that he can. Any little crack that you leave open, he's going to give you something. Like that little girl's purse. He's going to stuff it full of candy. He's going to stuff it full of stuff. And that's what he's trying to do. So we started out talking about how Keith and I met. And then the next week we talked about intersections and connections that we came across as he got us on that path. Every step that we took led us to something that he had planned for us. It led us to people that he put in our paths. He le- it led us to things that he put in our paths. It led us to the Hagans that he put in our paths. It led us to the Copelands that he put in our path. They were very influential in our lives, don't you think? Absolutely they were. They've helped us and put things into us that there's no way that we probably would have gotten otherwise. But we didn't know when we went to Ramah how influential they would be in our lives. But because we took those steps and did what he told us to do that day, it made a difference a year from then or two years from then. But God didn't tell us that ahead of time. And he's not going to tell you ahead of time either. Because he don't work that way. And then he also put houses and cars and nice things that we intersected because we took those steps and went in that direction. He even put Dave in our path. Go figure that. I don't know. So um, we'll keep believing God, though. And then the next week, we talked about faithful service, that you got to be first proven. And you got to be faithful to what God calls you to do. And then we started on Jesus' service teams. And um, we talked about the next week being equipped to serve. And we talked about Moses. Remember that? How many of you remember Moses argued about that he didn't and couldn't do what God called him to do? Because he stammered. How many of you ever felt like you couldn't do what God called you to do or told you to do? Yeah. Every person in here. Because I have never in my life ever, 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 had God tell me to do something I felt like I could do. 
He's never done it. It's always been something that I had to reach for or believe God for. I never could see how I could do it. Never. I never could see how I could stand up here and do that. Never. I still don't see how I could do it. Sometimes I'll tell Dave if we get ready to go. I'm still nervous. I'll tell, I have to talk to Keith before I come up here. I remember one night, just as vivid as I can do it, Keith is about to get in the pulpit. They, they have to stop him from going out the door. Because I am hysterically crying. And I don't cry. And I am hysterically crying. I can't do it, Keith. I cannot do it. I cannot get in that pulpit. I can't, I can't do it. He says, Phil, why? You love helping people. You love helping people. You love it. You love helping people. Why can't you go out there and help those people? And he talks me down off the ledge every time. Every time. Why? Because he loves me. And he knows I love people. And it just, there's no way in your life that you'll ever be able to see everything that God has planned for you to do. But God will equip you to do it. And so we talked about Moses and what God had told him to do and why God chose him. Why did God choose Moses? Please, somebody remember the answer to that. Because he would do what God told him to do. And my favorite part about that is, is that every person in here can be... You know what? When we get to heaven, I don't know. And I'm always talking... Keith's always talking about heaven. And I say... How do we know that? I'll look at him and I'll say, how do we know that? How do we know that? How do we know that? Where's that at? How do we know that? And, you know, when we get to heaven, there may be a continuation of the Bible. I don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? There could be more to the Bible. And it could be your picture sitting there. You could be the title tonight. I'm going back and forth. You choose for me by the end. You tell me which one you think is better. A few good men. You could be your picture there. Could be your picture there. Could be your... Or Keith said, what about a few good women, Phil? I said, yeah, I like that one better. <laughs> or a few good women. Or called and anointed. Because that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Because Moses, the whole reason that he was able to do what he did was because he obeyed the things that God told him to do. And he did it exactly the way that God told him to do it. I told Dave, what was it, when we taught on the night that we told about all the specifics that they had to build the temple with and the details that they had to build it with. Um, I think he spoke that night and Keith spoke in Grand Junction, so we were all three talking about our messages that night. And... uh, I said, oh, you wouldn't have wanted to heard mine tonight. I said, because it's details. It's detail, 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 detail. God is so detailed. And Dave loves details. I mean, he is a detail man. I mean, he is into the details. Yeah, that's his favorite part. That's what I pick on him about anyway. So um, you'll find that uh, each person has an area that they're stronger in and that God gives them to be able to do. But the greatest thing is that you're obedient to do what God tells you to do. And that's what we talked about that night. And then last week we talked about the title of it was Follow the Leader. And we talked about Moses and Jethro and them being able to delegate the things that God called them and told them to delegate. And that no one person can do it on their own. You can't. 
Have you ever seen a family? I know my grandmother has 11 kids. And she is, I think this next month, she turns 99. And she's still alive. And she can still remember every one of her kids, every one of her grandkids, every one of her great-grandkids, every one of her great-great-grandkids' names, and buys them all a Christmas present. And she's 99 years old. She can remember better, way better than... I'm not going to make that bad confession, but... <laughs> and she's 99 years old, and she still cooks for them. She came to the church not too long ago, and the ushers kind of were lollygagging around, you know, and they were, you know, going to, you know, think she was going to be slow, and she was out the door and gone before they ever knew where she was. And she's 99. But my point is, she had that many kids. She couldn't do it by herself. The older ones had to help with the younger ones. And that's the way it is in the body of Christ. That's the way it is in most things. The people that know more or mature have to help with the younger ones. And that's the way that things are. And that's what we talked about last week. Moses and Jethro delegating and, and the Lord telling them to sit down into this many camps and divide up, up to tens and thousands and hundreds and fifties and everybody have their part. So then th- tonight, oh well, I'll read you off the teams again in case you forgot them. The crusade team, you got to start and you got to follow and you never assume. The transportation team, um, we talked about saying it exactly the way the Lord says it. The hospitality team, we talked about being on time. The usher team, we talked about... Ushers, do y'all remember what the usher team was? See? We're going to oh. Y'all are going to have to get the tapes. I'm telling you. Um, when he talked to the ushers, he said, go and do this. But he never once asked them, could they do it? When he told them to do the bread, y'all remember that? Remember we broke the bread? Did y'all forget all that? Y'all passed out the bread? He said, give them the bread. He never once asked them, could he feed everybody? He just told them to do it. And I'm not ever going to ask you, can you work with kids? I'm just going to tell you to go work with the kids. If If that's what the Lord says, I won't do it unless he says it, but if that's what the Lord says, that's what we do. He never once asked me if it was okay, Phyllis, you have to get up and speak, or Phyllis, you have to go read that contract, or Phyllis, you have to go to Sarasota and start. He has never once asked me, Phyllis, is it okay if you do this? He's never once asked me when my phone rang at 2 o'clock in the morning and I had to counsel somebody or I had to go to the hospital if it was a convenient time. Never once. Or he's never once asked me when he told me to give away $1,000 if that was all the money I had in my checking account or not. He never once asked me that. He just said what? Do it. And that's why God chose Moses. And we're going to find out some more stuff tonight. Okay, prayer team, we talked about, uh, and this is a good one. This will be your favorite one. Remember this if you don't remember any of the other ones. The prayer team. How many of you remember what it was? About falling to sleep. But the object was rest when you should. Remember that? You got to rest when you should. And the security team. Do you remember what that one was? Follow the leader, remember? Don't draw your sword lest he draws his sword. Don't chop somebody's ear off or pull your gun. Follow what the leader says do. So don't jump ahead of the leader. And we talked about the Lord and him changing not. 
And God used Moses because he was faithful. So tonight we're going to start with another one. Are you re- Not another team, but another topic about it. And I think this will really bless you because it was something that the Lord gave to me because I thought I was done. And you know, it's much more better, much more, as Dave said, gooder to do what the Lord says do than what you plan on doing. Okay? So he said you weren't finished, so that means I weren't finished. You get it? You got it? If he says you ain't done, guess what? You ain't done. So you tell me tonight after we're done if you thought I was done or not done, okay? All right, here we go. As a leader of the church, I was sitting there, and I was thinking during the week, I was thinking, uh, I find this very amusing. I worked in the secular world decade after decade, and I owned my own business, and I managed doctor's offices. Decade after decade. I did for a long time. And I was pretty good at it. So much so that I was able to go in, and you see all these shows and stuff nowadays where they go in and somebody's got a mess and they go in and they fix it. That's what I did. And I made a lot of money doing it. But in doing that, I was just sitting there this week and I was thinking, it is the oddest thing with a church. Let me tell you what I find odd. In all the years I worked in the secular world, and I did this, and I worked for large doctor's offices and things with several doctors working in them and stuff, never once did I have someone come in off the street and tell me, never once, I am supposed to manage this doctor's office. Get out of the way. This is what I'm supposed to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? I never once had anyone come in and say to me, I am supposed to be the one that runs your accounting department. I never once had anyone come in to me and say, "Um, I am the one that is supposed to run um, your x-ray department. I never once had anyone come in to me and say that this is my job, this is what I am supposed to do in all the years I worked in the world. Nor did I ever, in all the years that I did that, ever just see a patient that walked in for the very first time say, this young man, I don't know him yet, very handsome, nice-looking, well-put-together man, I don't know him, come in that day as a patient and say, you know what, I like the way you look, come in here, you're going to be my executive administrator and set him up in a big office with a nice desk, a nice chair, a nice window and put him over my whole staff. Do you understand what I'm saying? In the world, I would never do that. Would you do that? As a doctor, would you, would you do that? No. Anybody else in here? Raise your hand. How many in here own a business? Stand up for me, please. I, I, I just want to see something, see if I'm imagining things here. How many of you that own a business would let someone come in off the street? Okay. You are meeting them for the very first time, and you set them up to run your business for you. Raise your hand for me now, please, real high. I'm looking real closely now. I'm going to take my time in case I miss someone. Raise your hand. You're going to let somebody run your business for you. And you're going to put them over a whole department, and you're going to let them take charge of something. Hmm. 
hmm, don't you find that odd? You can be seated. Now, I find it very, very, very strange that people think just because I'm blonde that they can come in here in a church and think that we absolutely lost our brain because we go to church. Don't you find that dumb? Don't you kind of find that dumb? That people think that because you serve God, you lost your brain. They do. I think people think that because you love God and you serve God, okay, you have, what is it called when they take your brain out? A lobotomy. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for, that word. That when you, when you get saved and you begin to serve God, you have a lobotomy. And you no more have any common sense. Because we have literally, in the Branson church, year after year after year, and before we started this church, had people to come to us and say things like, God told us we're supposed to run this for you. God told us we're supposed to run your accounting department for you. God told us, your accounting department now, I've never met them. Raise your hand if you think that's a wise decision. <laughs> we'll take a vote on it. How many of you want your accounting money to go to someone you've never met before? You're going to get them to do your taxes for you. You're going to get, give them all your money. Now, I tell you, I'm blonde, but I didn't have a lobotomy in my head. Or they come and they tell us, you've never met me before. But I want you to give me a microphone and I want to lead on this platform. I want to be the one with the microphone and I want to lead. I want to have the priority to lead the praise and worship and say and do just exactly like I say and do. I don't know you. Did I, did we lose something here? Did we lose somebody? Got a little quiet on that one, right? A little bit quiet. Why would I give somebody a microphone up here to sing that I don't know? When the Bible says that this person must first be proven. And then we have people that come and say, you know, we want to lead your prayer team. I don't know you. Why would I put you leading my garbage team? Do you understand what I'm saying? I wouldn't do it in the world. Why would I do it in the church? Are you going to do it in your house? How many of you would just hire a housekeeper? Now, I'm talking about somebody to come and clean your toilets that you don't know, that you haven't even checked out at all. Raise your hand. One person. Because he don't like doing toilets. Dave would hire somebody to do his grass, I guarantee you. And he's laughing and he's saying, I'm right, because he don't like doing toilets. But you understand the picture, guys. God made us smarter than that. He didn't take our brains out when we got saved. 
He gave us something that was even better than our natural brains. He gave us the Holy Ghost. He gave us something to know that we know that we know that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Yes, they're right. No, they're not right. Yes, they're right. No, they're not right. Yes, they're right. No, they're not right. And he tells us, just like he did Moses, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. We don't have the mistakes a lot of people have. We Dave deals with it all the time. He'll get a call from somebody. He'll say, what do you do in a situation like this? And he goes, I don't know. We don't have situations like that. I mean, pastors from other churches, am I telling the truth? We don't have situations like that. Why don't we have situations like that? Because we don't do stupid things. And I don't mean that dumb, but you know, you're not going to just put this young man in an executive office with a big chair and a big desk and five secretaries to run your firm. You don't even know him. Are you? If you are, I ain't putting nothing in your firm. Do you understand my picture? Let's get some word on it. You don't have to take my word for it. Okay? You want to? All right. 1 Samuel chapter 15 in the NIV, verse 35. It says, Until the day Samuel died, he did not go to see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord was grieved that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord, wait a minute, who? The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now who told him that? Now let me ask you a question. When Jesus left, did he say it would be worse for us or better for us that he leave? Why would it be better for us? Because he was going to leave us the Holy Spirit that would be with us always, that it wouldn't have to be that we would have to have a mediator between us and God, but that we would have the Holy Spirit living in us always and that we could hear from God for ourselves and know. We would have a knowing inside of us if something is right or wrong. Because we would have the Holy Ghost living inside of us then. Right? All right. It says, But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and he'll kill me. And the Lord said, Take with you a heifer and you will say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me. Read the next part with me. The one I indicate. Now, wait a minute. It seems like to me a week, was it last week we talked about? I am the Lord. I do what? I change not. So if the Lord would tell him then who was supposed to be in that spot, will he not tell us today who's supposed to be in what spot? He absolutely will. But what happens is so many people don't take the time to hear who is supposed to be in that spot. They're so thankful that anybody showed up at the church to clean that they just want them there. 
or they're just so thankful that anybody is willing to show up at church and do anything that they just put them in any spot that they can get. Well, I got news for you. I ain't that way. Because I believe it is an honor and a privilege to be able to sweep a broom for the Lord. I believe it is an honor and a privilege to be able to do anything that the Lord would ask you to do. I believe it's an honor to be able to say anything for Him, to be able to do anything for Him. I believe it's an honor to change a diaper for the Lord. And I don't want one person in one spot begrudging doing something for the Lord. And if I ever sense one hint, they've told us before, we've had people come to us, can we do a work program and, and these people are punished and they, they're in trouble and they have to work it off somewhere. Can they work it off with you? No way, no how. This ain't a punishment. This is an honor. This is a privilege. This is your master. This is your creator. This is the one that gives you your next breath. This is the one whom without you will not live. This is the one whom without you don't have the money for the gas to get to church. This is the one whom without, who are you going to pray to when you have a headache? Right? It is a privilege and an honor, anything that he would ask you to do. So when he says, Phyllis, I want you to do this, I may cry and I may say, okay, 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 how do I do it? I stayed down here for a whole year by myself going in buildings that frightened me, honestly, by myself with strange people. He'd be on the phone at the office because Keith was in a meeting. And keep me on the phone, just on mute the whole time so that he would know I was okay. Some things you have to do to get to where you are. Sometimes you have to take a step to get to the next place. But God will show you what you're supposed to do and who is supposed to do it. But until you're able to see who is supposed to be where and what they're supposed to be doing, what did he do? Let's keep reading. You want to read? Okay, let's do. Never mind, I didn't ask. Let's keep reading. Samuel did what the Lord said, and when they arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled. And they met him, and they asked, Do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, Yes, in peace, and I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then they consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Elam and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed that stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Would the Lord reject somebody? Okay, well, he just said it. Okay, let's see. Um, verse 7. Um, sh- well, let's see. the Lord rejected him. Let's see. Um, I lost my place here. Right in the middle of verse 7. Okay. Um, the Lord does not look at the things a man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that's what we were just talking about. 
God has never wanted anybody doing anything for him begrudgingly. The only way he wants you to give is how? Cheerfully. The only way he wants you to do anything for him is because you want to do it. It's an honor to be able to do it for him. It's a joy to be able to do something for him. He looks at your heart. God knows the end from the beginning and He knows what people are going to do. He knows sometimes it may seem like the very right person for a place. But He knows that if you put that person in that place, okay, I'm going to say it. Bigness is going to go to their head. And they're going to get real show and tell, real fast. And they're not going to be able to handle it. And you're going to have a whole blow up real quickly. So God will walk right past them. And he'll pick somebody else. And it will look like to everybody in the room, well, you should have picked them. They're the oldest, they're the smartest, they're the wisest. Why didn't you pick them? But you keep on going down. And he rejects all the sons. And he looks at all the sons. He called another son in. He passed in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord's not chosen this one either. And then Jesse said to Shammah, pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse said, had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to them, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are, all, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest Well, we're not going to sit down and eat until he arrives. And then he arose in verse 12. And the Lord said, what did the Lord said? Rise, anoint him. What? He is the one. He is the one. Now, if the Lord would tell him who the one is, would he tell us today who the one is? He will absolutely tell us today. There's been so many times. Okay, I'm just going to tell you right now. I could use about 20 staff. And all my staff in Branson is ready to, any one of them that I were to ask would be ready to pack up and move here. And Keith told them when we started the church. He said, uh, how did he say it? Be ready to stay, be ready to go, whatever. Stay where you're stationed and go where you're sent. Okay? You'll find out real quickly. Remembering verbatim, they do real well at it. That's why you saw the offering. Wasn't it just as technical as what Keith does? Have y'all ever seen Keith? It was just like, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, we'll go forward. (laughs) But any one of them would come. I love every one of them. They're just like my kids. I love every one of them. Most of them have been with us for decades. And every one of them would drop everything they have. They would move. They would sell what they've got. They would be here in a heartbeat. And they would do whatever you asked them to do night or day. And they've proven it year after year after year after year. 
And I keep trying to make this one fit and keep trying to make that one fit and shove it a round peg in a square hole. And the Lord just keeps telling me, wait. Wait. Now, do you know how hard that word wait is on your flesh? That one little word, it's a little short word too. W-A-I-T. And I had Robin Dan here, and he said, send them home. Wait. But you know what? That is a person's life we're talking about. That is their family, that is their kids, that is their life. And I don't like missing it. Have you ever missed it before? It stinks, don't it? I don't like it. I like getting it right. And you know what? I pick on Dave a lot, but the day Dave walked in the door, I said, I don't know this man. I wouldn't set him up in an executive office. But the day Dave walked in the door, I knew he was right. Keith knew he was right. He's been with us for 10 years. Sometimes I want to beat him, but other than that, he knows it. Sky and Janet's been with us forever. But you know when somebody is right. You know it. How many of you know in your heart when something's right? You know that you know, and sometimes you just try to make it work anyway. And what do you wind up with? A mess. You wind up with a mess. And it's not smart. It's not the way to go. So the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He said, don't look at his outward appearance. He said, don't look at the natural. He said, not look at any of those things when you're choosing. And I got really tickled when I, the Lord was directing me as I was trying to put this together. And I got really tickled at this next part. And I think you will too. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, and, I, and I said, now Lord, that's just not funny. I'll just be honest with you. You'll see what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians, King James, chapter 1, verse 26. For you see, you're calling, brethren, how many, how that, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty men, not many noble men are called. Now that really blesses you. Do you know what that just said? How many know what that just said? about five people. I'll read it to you in another translation in just a minute. Okay? God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. The base things of the world that are despised, God has chosen, yea, the things that are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his appearance. Well, let me read it to you out of the Message Bible, and I think it'll just spell it right out for you. Are you ready for it? Any of you ever read out of the Message Bible very much? You do know that it's a very, they call it a translation, but it is a paraphrase. You understand that, right? Okay. It says, Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and best. 
Now, does that paint you a better picture? Yeah. Among you, not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? Chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretenses of the somebodies. That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. So that, what that means is, let me just make it real simple to you. I know that I know that I know that I ain't smart enough to be up here doing this. That's what it says. And that I couldn't do it without God. I know it. And every time I get up here, I don't care if I've done it once or however many times now it's been since 1982... I have to hear my husband sing, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me. Every time. Or I forget it. Because I don't believe that I have anything. I can't do it. I know know who I am. And I know how many mistakes I've made. And I know how dumb I am. That's bad confession. But you know, you know who you are. You know where you came from. You know what abilities you have. And you know in yourself you are absolutely nothing. But let me tell you. You got one that is way, 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 way smarter than you living inside of you. And he lives in you 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 and he lives in every person in here that has accepted him. And he can tell you how to handle every situation that arises. And he can tell you that she's the right one to do this, and she's the right one to do this, and he's the right one to do this, and he's the right one to do this, and he's the right. he can handle ten things, and he just don't even know it. He can handle a lot more than what he thinks he can. Mm, don't give her too much, she's going to crack. He'll tell you that. But you got to listen. But why does he pick those kind of people to do it? Why does he pick people like uh, me? Uh, Y-O-U. Because God deserves all the glory. We don't get the glory. It's not because of our smarts that we're able to do anything. That's why he would take Miss Brenda right here and put her in kids and make her anointed to tell the kids a song or a story and get her to know exactly what she needs to do to get them way past whatever problem that they're having. She may not have ever worked with kids before in her life. Why would he take her? She's never worked with computers or PowerPoint. Or, or this and say, nope, I don't want you there. I want you here. The guy that runs our TV department, tell you a story about him. He came to me. He was in Tulsa. We were starting our Branson church. 
And he came to me. He can't, Actually, no, he didn't come to me. He came to help one of our guys move and stayed over the weekend to help us move some things into the church. He was helping, was it Steve Pollard? He was helping Steve Pollard, one of our employees that had been with us for years, move into his place. And he helped him move some of his stuff. And we needed an ad for the newspaper. And Steve says, you know what, I think Devin can do some graphic stuff. He might be able to help you with the ad. So I went to him. I said, Devin, what do you do? He said, um, oh, well, I work for such and such, and I do this and I do that. And I said, um, what's your goals? What do you want to do? I'm always interviewing people, you know, in the back of my mind. I'm always kind of seeing where they fit, where they what, what what's, what's God telling me to do. I'm always checking my heart. He said, well, you know, I, my goal and what I believe God's called me to, what I believe God's called me to, where I believe God has put me to serve is youth. I said, is that right? Well, we don't have anybody doing youth. That's what I said. He said, I I really feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. I said, great. I said, well, I need a newspaper ad. Would you be willing to do that for me? Sure. So he did the newspaper ad, and he did an excellent job on it. Got it for us the time we needed it, which was like overnight. He had to stay up all night, got it for me. I thought, that's the kind of person I like. Keeps their word. They did it. They did it with excellence. They did it right on time. Come to him the next day. He knows this story. He don't mind me telling it. He comes the next day. He presents the ad to me, shows it to me. I said, Devin, you like Tulsa? Well, it's okay. How would you like to move to Branson? I don't know. Um, why, you want me to help you with your youth? Nope. I want you to help do graphics for us. I want you to work and do, we need covers for Keith's albums. We need this, we need that. Would you be willing to do that? No, ma'am. I wouldn't. Thank you for the offer, but I wouldn't. I said, would you do this at least? He said, I'm called to do youth. He repeated it to me. He looked me square in the eye. I'm called to do youth. Do you understand? I'm called to do youth. Gotcha. Gotcha. Heard it the first time. Called to do youth. Got it. Got it. I said, would you at least go home tonight and pray about it? Can I pray with you? Before you go. I prayed with him. He got up, walked out of the office. He came back the next day. He said, he said, okay, I'll do it. It wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't six months. Do you think it was six months, Dave? It wasn't six months. God dealt with us to get a TV department. Devin, from the very first day, started working in our TV department. On his own. He got the information on the TV cameras. He got everything we needed to do on the TV cameras. He studied it night and day. He did everything that there was to do and presented it to Keith and I. We didn't ever ask him for it. He just did it. Devin started from knowing absolutely nothing about TV to running our TV department today. Have you all seen the broadcast? Do they look okay? Does he do an excellent job? I think he does an extraordinary job. Well, we started youth. And I went to Devin and said, Devin, come help me with youth. Do I have to? (laughs) 
I have tried my best to get Devin to help me in youth. I did it for years. He wanted no part of youth. Absolutely no part of youth. He wanted no part of it. And I tried to get him to help me with youth. Why is that? God loves us. And he sent him there that weekend that we needed that ad. Do you understand that? God was directing his steps, putting him on the path. He didn't even know it. Had him in the right place. Now, Devin could have messed up and said, no, I am not doing graphics for you. But let me tell you the best part of the story. Let me tell you the best part of Devin's story. Not that he does TV for us. You see him around here. Have you seen him around here? I'll introduce him. He'll be here this weekend. Devin gets there to Branson. How many years was it, guys? Three years? Him and this cute little girl start seeing each other. He ends up married. He's got two of the cutest little kids you have ever seen in your life. And the happiest person you'd ever want to meet. And, I mean, he's just exuberantly filled with joy all the time. He's got a wife and two beautiful babies. And he has grown into what was a teenage boy to a man of God. Ask any one of my staff. They'll tell you. Is that true? It's absolutely the truth. But what if he would not have even considered something different from what he was absolutely set on doing? What if he wouldn't have even considered that maybe the leader could hear from God and do the graphics? He wouldn't have been doing the TV. He wouldn't have met Cassie. He wouldn't have had McKenna and Kato. He might have a totally different life today. He might still be a single bachelor, single bachelor living in some other state somewhere. But then again, I believe God's merciful, and He'd have brought him back to me. Hey, I've had people leave us, and I've looked them square in the eye, and I'd say. Hey, if you're not doing more for God in a year from now or two years from now, I'm going to find you, I'm going to kick you in the tail, and I'm going to get you back here. And I absolutely did it. You've got to be serving God somewhere, okay? So let's find some people that actually did that and why they did it. I know what time it is, so y'all know what time it is? Good. We all know what time it is then. It's Friday night, yeah. Yeah, it's Friday night. I used to pick on Keith because he went too long. I don't do that anymore. Right? Dave used to pick on him too. He don't do it so much anymore either. He's gotten longer-winded too. So, um, another one, real quickly, um, is Joseph. The same thing happened to Joseph. Did God pick Joseph? How many of you remember the story of Joseph? Did his brothers like that he got picked? Absolutely not. 
What was the deal with Joseph? Why would God pick Joseph? Because of his heart. And he would do what God said do. It's the same thing as Moses. You're going to see a pattern here on these people. Why did God pick David? He was a man after God's own heart. Do you begin to see a pattern with these people? They didn't get up one day and say, okay, today I'm going to serve God, and today I think I'll just not serve God, and today I'll serve God, and today I think I won't serve God, and today I'll serve God, and whatever they did for God, they did it with their whole heart. They did it with every fiber of their being. They did it from daylight till dark. They served God. Because they love God. They did it with a heart of intensity. And then we can talk about Samuel. And, but let's, talk, let's read that verse about it. Colossians 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. Now, I said at the beginning, you could title this whatever you wanted to title it. A few good men, a few good women are called and anointed. I want to call it a bunch of good men and a bunch of good women. Because I believe that we can all do exactly what God tells us to do. And I believe just like Devin or just like any other person, no matter what we think that we're called to do, God can put us exactly where we need to be to do exactly what we're called to do if we'll just give him an opportunity to do it. There's a lot of things. Dave didn't think he was going to be up, I don't think, preaching all the time. Did you think he was going to be up in a pulpit preaching? No. When Dave first started coming to us, he was sweeping floors, working in a parking lot, ushering, doing whatever needed to be done. But God knew. God knows the heart of a person. And he sees the end from the beginning. And that's what he wants to see in each and every person that's in this room or in any place that you're going to be. He wants to see what your heart will be towards him. He wants to see if you're just going to be serving him for what you can get out of it or you're serving him because you love him, because of what he's already done for you, because you know that by his stripes you were healed, because you know that if you mess up today and do something really, really, really dumb, all you've got to do is lay your head on your pillow at night and say, oh, God, forgive me, I messed up again today for the 99th time, but I know, I know your mercy and I know your love. And you said you'd clean me and wash me up and tomorrow morning your mercies would be new again. Thank you, Lord. Because that's who he is. And because we couldn't take another breath without him. So why wouldn't we want to serve him? Why would we hesitate if he asked us to do anything? Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians. Chapter 6, verse 5. It says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as unto the Lord, and not to men. Again, I read this in the Message Bible, and I thought you would really, really enjoy this. Verse 7. It says, Work with a smile on your face, 
always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. And that doesn't matter if it's here in the church or if you're serving God at a secular job or if you're serving God cleaning somebody's carpet, if you're serving God cleaning somebody's toilet. He may have to get a job cleaning toilets. Who knows? Look at him. He's looking at me like, she, that woman has lost her mind. Whatever you do, wherever you are, Whatever God has called you to do, if it's here in the church and he's asked you to do something, you do it as a service to him. Or if it's your job out among the world and you're doing a job and you're a secretary or you're a lawn boy or you're you're a mechanic or you're a, a pilot or you're a doctor or you're a secretary or whatever you are, it doesn't matter. You should put this verse up on your refrigerator and read it in the morning before you go out the door or like we said the other week wherever you see the most the refrigerator or the mirror whichever one you look at the most work with a smile on your face always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders you're really serving God And that's what every person should have before him. So I want to cover a couple of things in regards to here and our service teams. And I want to explain a couple of things to you. The service teams were started in Branson as a response to the Lord directing Keith to start them. The Lord told him, I want you to start something called service teams. At first he thought he would call them ministry teams. But do you know what ministry is? If someone is going to minister something to you, what are they going to do? They're going to serve you. But to keep people from getting their minds wacky and fruity and flaky... Huh? They're called service teams instead of ministry teams. Because so many people go off the deep end when you use the word ministry. And they love titles. And if you'll notice anything about this ministry or about this church, we don't have titles. The only title we have is I am Mrs. Keith Moore. That's the biggest title I've got. The only title Dave has is Lawn Boy. (laughs) I mean, we don't. People will ask Dave what his title is. He said, what are we doing right now? Okay. Are we working on this? Are we working on that? Janet, how many jobs do you do? Sky, how many jobs do you do? We don't have titles. Where'd Amy go? Oh, she's not with the choir? Yeah, she's sitting back there. Yeah. How many jobs you got, Amy? 
Yeah, we can't count them. Amy's over hospitality. She's over a quarter of the staff. She's over doing a lot of the purchase orders. She's over uh, doing uh, meals. If we have guests come into town, she's over. I mean, I mean, the list goes 60 miles long. We don't have titles. She's over the service teams. But why would you need a title? What does a title mean? It means I get the big head. You'll find out with me real quickly, I'm not really big into big heads and show and tell. I just like to be me and who I am, and that's who I am, and, and um, that's who I am. And that's who I like people to be. If we, if we try to be somebody else, we're only second rate. I tried to preach like Keith when I first started. Oh, my word. I kept going, bomb. Every time. Because I'm not him. And I'll never be him. So why would we want to do something exactly the way somebody else does? You can't. you got to be you. And there's a place for you. And wherever God has called you to be and anointed you to be, you will be the very best person for that place. I want to read you a couple of things before we go on. Service teams. I believe every person in here is called and anointed to be in a certain place. Every person in here. Let me explain to you why. My husband and I were very blessed to attend your church for the first time. I want to take a few minutes and tell you how impressed we were with your beautiful church and its people. From the moment we turned into your driveway for the very first time on Thursday evening. We are a staff member of such and such ministry, which is a very huge ministry, in his office and church. And we are church members of this very huge church. And so we're very familiar with excellence. First, the young man with the dark mustache who stood on the main street at the entrance smiling and waving was so friendly because it was him each time that we came to your church, the landmark helped us to know which drive to turn into. Second of all, the parking lot men and women were awesome. Each person's bright green vest and their warm, helpful directions made us feel secure and know exactly where we were to park. Then to get to hop into those little carts, oh wow, first class. Third, the greeters were so very friendly. I really appreciate seeing their names in such large fonts on their name badges, which we are getting, every time we stepped into the sanctuary, which was so very peaceful. Fourth, yours are the most efficient and considerate ushers I have ever seen. They look sharp in their two different styles of jackets and slacks, the way they dutifully escort the women up and down the aisles. Absolutely impressive. It says, um, fifth, my dad always used to say, you can tell an outfit knows what they're doing if the bathrooms are clean. Well, the women's restroom was not only clean, but the array of scented and quality hand soaps and lotions were just excellent. I cannot forget to mention how wonderful it was to have hot water also. Finally, I love seeing the young teenagers helping the cameramen with the cords. They are very discreet in their actions, and they seem to take pride in their work. We stayed over Saturday night to be able to attend your Sunday service, and we were very glad that we did. It was an understatement to say that. 
everything about the service was wonderful. The band, the choir, the way that Pastor Phyllis read the testimonies, the audiovisual, the most of we enjoyed the teaching. It was outstanding. Um, you give direction like a good loving father, strong yet humble. I have found that you're on TV every Sunday and I'm going to begin watching. Thank you for the price that you've paid over the years. It is evident that you're making a difference in people's lives. Well, it made a difference in theirs, right? And what was it? Was it Keith and I that made the difference? Every single person that they came in contact with was called and anointed to do their job. Every single person. Listen to this one. It says, I'd like to give you a testimony about the wonderful parking lot team. I came to church on Friday night and a man came up to me in the parking lot and said my tire was low. He proceeded to tell me that the parking lot team had an air pump and they would be able to put some air in it for me. I put my family into church and was going to find someone to help me when one of the parking lot team came up to me and asked me for my keys so that he could fix the tire. I never saw my keys again until after church. Then it was given, they were given to me plus over $300 and I was told that they had put two new tires on the front of my car and the money was there to get two new for the rear and balanced. The store had closed before they could put all four tires on. Was that Keith and Phyllis Moore? We didn't even know about it. That was the parking lot team. That says, thank you for the meetings here the last three days. These meetings are very important, and I want to tell you how important your congregation is. Everyone made me feel so welcome. I have never had anyone to pull paper towels for me before in a restroom. I told the lady how nice that was and how nice a service it was and that she made me feel so very comfortable there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. The greeters and the helpers at the CD and book table and the checkouters, to have a person helping you throughout the whole line was just great. The traffic control personnel were so very organized and so very loving. The media center works so hard and is so really appreciated to make sure that everything is so detailed. The flower arrangements and the janitors and oh my, the ushers too. They were so detailed. I know I have missed many of your volunteers, but oh, the cameramen, and so they keep going up. The cameramen too. Um, the sound system, the text, the vocals, the band people. Forgive me if I've forgotten someone's name. I don't mean to. It just was so amazing to me that everyone put your congr- in your congregation puts others first. You teach them to love as you do. You teach them the peace and to walk in love. We drive over eight hours away every other weekend just to be in your church. Why would you do that? They didn't bring up Keith and Phyllis one time. Why did they do that? Didn't have anything to do with us. It had to do with the people loving on them when they came through the door. Had to do with the people sitting out here that were ministering to them as they came through the door. This one says, my name is such and such. Uh, I'm not a church member. We attended another church. We live in Kentucky, and uh, I'm a pastor's daughter. Said, my husband and I have been in church our entire life. That being said, we're first-generation uh, church people. I was so impressed at how your church seems to be, want to bless people in the smallest of ways. For instance, your bathrooms, for the size of your church, they're set up with such free products to just give away. That just blew me away. I was 
was offered Huggies diapers, she says, and I know how much they cost. I washed my hands with bed and bath body works, and by the way, that makes a girl feel pretty special and pampered. I just didn't think about the products that were being used, but the atmosphere of the people that were there. They were hugging me and loving on me. We were welcomed and blessed in the parking lot, coming in and going out. A lady stood in the bathroom to make sure that me and my child were okay, and the usher came to the calming room and turned up the volume to make sure I could hear every word without missing a thing that was being said in the service while my child was crying. And by the way, to call it a calming room, I had never heard that before, she says. And uh, she goes on about the cashiers and how sweet that they were. And she says, I know churches exude what their pastors teach, but the things that came out to us was the things that the people were doing in the congregation. She said, I just really want to say, I thank you for the experience and what it's been taught to us. It's okay. Um, to bless the people in such a magnificent way that we can hardly wait to get home to our life and our church and we're starting our own ministry and we have started, begin to start it on a better and higher level, a more perfect way and do the things that God has dealt with us to do. We are so excited to put these things in God's hands and lead people in the way that we have been led. That wasn't Keith and Phyllis. Do you understand that? It ministers to people. We've got, I can keep on reading them. There is so many here that tells about things. I mean, I, there's one in here about, this one drives three hours. And it tells about, um, uh, it, they're so good I hate to not do it. This one, this one is really good, it'll bless you. Let me tell you it. Then I'll, and then I'll go on back and we'll finish up. It says, uh, we drive three hours one way to service. Every, every time. Now listen to that. That's a, that's a little ways, isn't it? Why do they do that? Well, listen why. Um, this particular time, some things happened, and uh, something happened to our vehicle, and we thought, well, we're just going to not be able to go tonight. And the Lord said, no, you need to go ahead and go. So we rented a car and got there, but we were a little bit late, and said so that particular night in children's church, they were teaching the kids about good news. And they had picked a couple of kids to act out different scenarios. Then they would show them how God delivered them from them from those scenarios by the word of God. Well, my oldest daughter was called out and given a scenario on fear. She was shown how that she had been delivered from fear and that God had given her the peace to live in the rest of her life. Well, Jesus had given her that already. Over the past several weeks, she had been dealing with fear so severely that she would be awakened all night long and we would have to deal with it. Now she understands and knows that she is totally free. Thank you for your children's workers and for the things that they're doing. Thank you for every and for the particular children's staff person who was led to pick my little girl and to hear from God that she was the one that needed to do that part in the skit. She is now sleeping all night long and knows that God is the one that gives her the peace that she can rest in. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I wasn't in that classroom that night. I wasn't working with those kids that night. Nor was Keith. Nor was Dave. It was a children's worker. Could they be called and anointed to do a job and hear from God and do what God had asked them to do? Do you think that this child will remember forever and eternity that they were ministered to that night and they no longer have fear? I think absolutely they could. And that's my point about these teams. If God will call you and anoint you to do a job he will put you in exactly the place that you are supposed to be in. And that's the point of the teens. 
If every person is where they're supposed to be, then every person that needs to be ministered to will be ministered to. And there will never be a person that walks through these doors that doesn't get the ministry that they need. Never. It'll never happen. Whether it's a child or an adult or a camera worker or a parking lot, somebody will have the right things to say to them. They will get ministered to the way that they're supposed to be ministered to. And their lives will be changed forever. Because they may not get it right here may not be one thing that we said that helped them. I know I'm good, yeah. No, it may be that it's the child in the children's class that needed to be ministered to that night. And it may be you that does it. Let me finish this list that we were going over, and uh, we'll let you go. Um, Keith says that this is what the Lord instructed him. Ephesians 4 in the NIV. Verse... Uh, 11. God gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and some teachers. But verse 12 is what you need to see, and this is where most people have gotten confused. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Again, the Message Bible says it this way, Ephesians 4.12. To train Christians in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church. Now, that's Bible, right? So that's what we're all supposed to do so that we can minister to everybody that needs to be ministered to. Um, So our teams, again, real quickly about them. We have all, we have lots of teams. We have, uh, go to the thing, they'll tell you what all the teams we have. You've seen some of the videos, which we forgot to show the one tonight. Yeah, I forgot to remind you. I forget which one it was. Um, We'll show it Sunday. You're going to be here Sunday? Yeah, okay, we'll show it Sunday. Um, It's a good thing because we're running out of time. Y'all are shutting down on me. Yeah. Anyway, um, our teams, they all have captains. Okay? And um, a lot of the captains have uh, uh, come up through what we, you would normally call in a military, the ranks. They've come through the different areas to where they have proven themselves and done some things. We don't have what would be called like a co-captain because co means equal. And like I said the other day, it's uh, anything with two heads is a freak. So we have an assistant captain. Okay. But then the thing about the teams is that Keith wanted me to make sure that everybody understood is that there's rotations on the teams. And if they're done right and they're done the way that they should be and everybody is doing the things that they should do, then nobody serves for very long without being rotated through. And as the church grows, it will be that way. In the beginning, it may be that you may have to serve a little bit longer than, than what we would prefer. But uh, what we have is what Keith calls the three-deep rule. Every job that we have at the ministry, on every team, is three deep. And that means that everything that I do, there's three people that can do it. Everything that Keith does, there's three people that can do it. Everything that Dave does, there's three people that can do it. Everything that Amy does, there's three people that can do it. Have you ever seen a church where you've got five people that lead music? We have rotations. Five, five people cannot lead our praise and worship. And they do. We have Susan, we have Janet, we have Nate, we have um, Matt, we have, you know, 
Uh, Sky can do it. We have, I mean, we have, we have plenty of people. I mean, that can lead, and it's not, and not one of them is more excellent than the other. And some of them lead it on Wednesdays. Some of them lead it on Fridays. Why is that? Because then you can do whatever God tells you to do. This one can go here. They can go. This one can go to the prison. This one can be in Sarasota while that one's up there doing another one. The Lord knows what to do. So uh, what we're saying is if you do get on a team, don't feel like you're just stuck here forever. They change, and people go in different directions and stuff. And Miss Amy, she went out, but or she went up here, or where did she go? She went someplace. She is, I'm telling you, extraordinary at doing schedules and getting people, you know, to where they're split and go, and they don't have to serve very long at a time. And they work on the schedules very hard to make sure that everybody gets where they're supposed to go. So... If you haven't signed up for a team and you feel like, you know, that this is your church, we talked about it, it would be really good for you to serve God. But don't do it grudgingly. If you don't feel like that you want to do it and you don't want to trust us as to where we feel like that you should go, then just wait. Wait till you do know. It's like giving, you know. Uh, don't give if you can't give willingly. Don't serve if you can't serve willingly. And you don't trust. If you don't trust us enough to believe God that we know who's supposed to be where, I'll just say it bluntly. You probably shouldn't be serving. Because you don't trust us enough yet. Hang on to your shoelaces and wait. But God won't be happy if you wait too long. See how quiet it got? 1 John chapter 3. We can close. Y'all are going to find out real quickly. I just say it like it is. 1 John chapter 3 and King James, verse 18. Dave's looking at me saying, say the verse, say the verse, say the verse. <laughs> He's just helping. That's what he does. Help her. Okay, my little children... Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. The NIV says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. The New Living says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. And that's what Faith Life Church is. When people come here, we want them to know that they are loved. We want every person that comes in here to know, you know what? You're loved. I don't care what else happened to you this week. I don't care if your husband hates you. I don't care if your mother hates you. I don't care who hates you. Somebody loves you. That's what church is about. But you know what? We can't do it. We don't get to every person that comes through the doors. But you can. Whether it's the person sitting next to you, the person in the parking lot, the person's car door you can open next to you, whatever the situation is, you can love them in action. So that's one of the reasons for the team. The other reason is the excellence that we portray. We have had, I can't tell you how many churches that have written us. I've got testimonies here. We'll read them sometime to you. 
I don't like reading them because it sounds like you're bragging. But church after church after church after church that have gone back and started these things and have put things into practice because of the excellence that goes on. And it, it portrays God's love to people is what it ends up doing. So how many of you are ready to serve God with all your heart? I believe you are. Let's stand up. So what, what should we title it? Huh? Called and anointed, a few good men, the servant. Huh? Uh-huh, so y'all ain't doing any better than I am. Huh? Called and anointed. Yeah, well, that's what I picked. Called and anointed. Because I believe you guys are called and anointed to the places he's called you. And you'll find out, just like Devin found out, if you're in your place, you'll be in your grace, and you won't fall on your face. How about that? I can't take credit for that. That's my husband's. He always has these cute little sayings, you know, so I steal them all the time, but that's okay. So, uh, guys, y'all got something you can sing up there?